Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is John Shanahan. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Henry. Excited to be on. Yeah, looking forward to it. John's going to share the story of co-founding and launching Strix. Strix is a men's corrective cosmetic company. And he's got a very interesting journey as to how he got to where he is today. So that's what this episode is going to be about, to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode. Just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So John Shanahan is an entrepreneur, a men's fashion expert, and the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Strix. After successful careers in technology and the retail industry, John turned his passion and knowledge of men's fashion into a very popular menswear review website and YouTube channel dedicated to helping guys look better, feel better, and live better. That, that channel and that website is called The Cavalier with a K. And then in 2019, he co-founded Strix. As I mentioned, it's a, it's a pioneer in the men's cosmetic industry. Very interesting uh, industry that I have some thoughts about, and that's why I was excited to have John on the show. John lives in the Pittsburgh area. And so once again, John Shanahan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm excited and make me sound much more accomplished than I feel sometimes. <laughs> well, listen, you're, you're youngish, but you've accomplished a heck of a lot at your age. There's no doubt. I'm kind of jealous. Um, and and it's, it's, it's inspiring. That's always why I like to have younger entrepreneurs on the show. But, you know, one uh, thing to, to that point, I was a big screw up in high school and I really found myself <laughs> in college. And so- right? I also feel all right that I made the turn when I did and it, and to, I never really heard that type of story, which is why I like to seek that sort of stuff out because, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it gives me a little bit more hope. Exactly. You know, because a lot of us, that was one of those two, we, we, you know, we didn't excel early on. I was a screw up in high school as well. And uh, it get, we need that inspiration, that hope to, to, and that model of others who have at some point it clicked for you, right. As to what you were going to do in life. Yes. Yeah. And to that point, so, I mean, early in my career, I really started, uh, I worked at Apple in really the heyday when they were launching the iPad and that happened while I was in college. And it, it to the point where I switched my major from like graphic design uh, and the arts to technology. Cause I was like, all right, technology is where it's at. This is something I'm always been passionate about. And now that I work at Apple, I'm going to switch my major to it. And uh, so that's what led me down that path. And then I ended up, what I didn't realize working at Apple is you're really just in sales. Uh, when you work in the stores, you're either fixing things or you're selling things. And that's also where I found out that I could sell. I could talk to people, build relationships, make recommendations. And that really drove me. And um, I was working with small businesses in the Pittsburgh area at the Apple store, which is how I got my finger on the pulse of technology startups in Pittsburgh, because we used to have businesses come in all the time. And actually Duolingo is a really good example where you know, at first it was Lewis out of CMU. And then all of a sudden he started coming in for two computers uh, a month. And then it started to turn into two computers a week. And then he would come in and say, Hey, you know, I hired a hundred people this week. I need a hundred computers. And I was like, what is going on here? Hmm. And so I got really in touch with the startup scene in Pittsburgh. And that's what led me into the retail industry with first insight. I worked at a predictive analytics startup. And what we did was really saw the entire supply chain of how a product goes from concept into the stores and we had data that would help develop products like that and actually I mentioned being in Dallas I worked with at home group 
right before they IPO'd. And we did a lot of testing with their home goods stuff. And just having that experience from a C-suite operator uh, really opened my eyes up to the retail industry and, and is ultimately what inspired the Cavalier. Mm-hmm. So um, going back though, as you mentioned, watching someone like that come in and, and their business growing as you were observing it, was that what uh, kindled in you the desire to be your own boss or did you have those aspirations earlier on? Tell me about when that kind of became a, a focus for you to become your own boss. Yeah, what's interesting there is that both of my families, my mom's side of the family started a local ice cream shop, like a homemade ice cream shop in the 80s. And that was that was a huge part of my life. I mean, I washed dishes and scooped ice cream for uh, my formative years. And then on my dad's side, uh, my grandfather had quit his job to run a trucking logistics company uh, that was also like my dad worked there. And, and that was both sides of the family always had those uh, small business like ownership uh, properties, but neither of them really encouraged me to go that way. I think because it's, you know, as a small business, you're stressed a lot. It's a lot of work. And I think they, they kind of wanted me to go the path of get a job, have somebody else write the paycheck. Uh, but I knew the freedom and the, uh, the fulfillment that comes with entrepreneurship through them. They just didn't want to, I don't think they wanted to put me in any specific path. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. that was always part of my life. Yeah, it's so interesting. You're touching on both sides of something there that I think is so interesting with children of business owners. And I, I've done a lot of thinking about this, especially as how I impacted my daughter. What I find is a lot of times owners of small businesses like that, what the kids see are just the headaches, the the problems, the conversations at the dinner table about not being able to make payroll or this or that. And and kids, a lot of times that grow up in that environment, like, I don't, I want no part of that, right? Uh, it almost seems like even they didn't want that for you, but at the same time, you saw some of the benefits. You were able to see through to some of the benefits. Yeah, I saw that my grandparents uh, would take a day for us to go to like an amusement park, and they would, you know, have somebody else come into the store, and they had a lot more freedom associated with that. And so it was, it was me kind of navigating to figure out, like, okay, do I go do this IT thing? But I also saw, you know, I loved the small business, and I actually there was a point where I wanted to, you know, open up my own brand, like another location of the ice cream store in a in another spot of the city and everything. And so I was always in touch with that, but it was also you're trying to figure out what was I good at? What was I bad at? What did I even want to do? Mm-hmm. What is it about owning your own business? What, what is it that it serves you? What, what is it about it that we've touched on one aspect, which is that flexibility. And I'm sure that's part of it. What else is it that, that you benefit from by being your own boss? I think what I figured out in college is that I'm not good at anything unless I am all in on it to a degree. And so Part of that is, uh, you know, I figured out at, at First Insight and my, you know, sales corporate tech job that I think I'm just a bad employee because I can see the machinations of how a business operates. But if I don't have the ability to impact and change that, I get really frustrated and discouraged. And so then I kind of like disconnect. And so that was something that definitely fostered the four years that I worked at a, you know, medium sized technology company. And I was like, well, you know, if the boss isn't going to make these changes and I can't convince the boss to make these changes, then maybe I should just be my own boss. And so yeah. that definitely reinforced some of it. Yeah, that's a very common trait. And you're not good enough with saying, well, that it is what it is. You, you, you're, you're not able to live with that. All right. The Cavalier, you started kind of as a side interest, but I'm curious as what 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 got you so interested in fashion? Uh, I think it, it started in college when I realized that I'd spent most of my life wearing clothes that 
somebody else bought me and thank, you know, thank God for my grandma. She got me a lot of nice <laughs> clothes, but uh, there, there came this power when I was working uh, at Apple when I realized like if, if I buy a different type of shoe, you're perceived differently. And if I wear clothes that fit me in a certain way, then there's, there's a level of confidence that comes within that. And so that's kind of started at Apple. But then when I got exposed to the retail industry, through a technology company, I was like, wow, there's this whole world that's really not being discussed. And, and at the time, we now know it as the D to C revolution, direct to consumer uh, brands, but I was really interested in those brands that were just starting at the time. So I was mm -hmm. the first video for Bonobos or for Everlane or for Allbirds, like all these brands are now like huge companies. I was really interested in those and I was already buying them for my job. I needed to wear nice suits and I needed to wear nice shoes. And so I couldn't find at the time videos that really spoke to me, which was, you know, like a young professional guy trying to level up his style a little bit. And so I had video experience from high school and from, you know, projects from before. And I was like, well, I can make some of these videos and, and just talk about them. And at the time too, we worked with, you know, fortune 500 retailers, huge companies, cause we were a very expensive solution. And these small companies, uh, you know, there was just not a lot of attention paid to them. So like, all right, I'll just make some reviews on them. And then it's kind of, you know, I started with these principles of, being an independent reviewer, being able to give, you know, an unbiased opinion. And that's really been the through line from this, but I've kind of evolved the, the delivery mechanisms as I've, you know, experimented and grown on YouTube. Yeah. Great stuff. So, all right. So tell me the story of what leads to the, the idea for Strix. Yeah. Strix. I came on as a, what I'd call like a late stage co-founder because Strix okay. uh, had incubated with my co-founder Devere starting, I think really in 2017 is when, uh, he started to pursue that. And Devere was, had known my channel. I mean, we had a lot of interaction and, and talk because we were in very similar spaces. You know, he was uh, in the fashion space and he wanted to dress well and, and everything. And so he had followed the channel. And then right before Strix officially launched uh, in January of 2019, I was one of the first videos that uh, was about the product because, and I remember talking to Devere at the time on the phone because we would have these long conversations. And I remember thinking like, this is the right product with the right approach at the right time. Like, this is so interesting because it also solved the need for me, which was I was on camera all the time. I was also presenting to executives and I wanted to look my best, whether it was my suit or my shoes. But then it's also like if I had a, a breakout, I wanted to make sure I could you know, cover a blemish or, or anything else. And so uh, through that, through January and through the year, I ended up using the product a lot. I was, there's one video in particular on my channel out. I went toward the Allen Emmons factory in, um, in Wisconsin. And I was wearing it that day because I had like a whole film crew and, and everything. And I remember like, I was like, this is something that, that I really use. And then, you know, Devere and I started talking and, and he was looking for somebody that could do content and marketing and, and branding and everything. And I was like, well, you know, I could do that. It's pretty interesting. And then at the time too, he was in XRC labs and they were really encouraging that the work that he was doing, there was so much on his plate that you know, the company could really grow if he brought somebody in. And so that led to a lot of discussions with Devere and, you know, the approach and everything. And, and eventually ended up joining in October of 2019. So you're, you're an equity partner now with him. Yes. And so you guys, uh, you didn't know each other really before that you kind of developed this friendship as you kind of learned about the product and were promoting it or sharing it with your, your viewers on your channel. Is that right? Yes. And the idea okay. was to come in really as this, you know, full-time co-founder because there was so much to be done. And that's when I recognized too, you know, the opportunity in this market that is growing with this, this product and everything. And I was like, this is, because I had, I had conversations with other companies, you know, in the five years that I was running my channel, but none of them 
to me really like stuck out in a way that, that Strix did. So was he was he a one man show at that point? Obviously he was in the incubator, but it was just him. Yes, yeah. So he, there's a few partners like early on in Strix that really helped to get it off the ground. Um, but but Devere was the one that was you know full time running everything and and really just you know building the plane as you go as, as we know. Very interesting. Okay, so let's let's introduce the product. Uh, to tell us uh, what it is. Yeah, so Strix is the first men's corrective cosmetics company that's built from the ground up for with men in mind. So all of our formulations take into account that guys have really simple routines. They re- want quick, easy fixes. So our formulations are made for men's skin and for those quick, easy fixes. And then the product design itself too, uh, a lot of the companies that are out there will either just have you know gender neutral products or women's products that are rebranded for men with black packaging. But all of the stuff that Strix does from the concealer into the moisturizer was built from the ground up with really premium materials, really sleek design to be something that guys can carry all the time. And so that, you know, the two products we launch with are the tinted moisturizer and the concealer. And then we have some, we have all, all of our future products are at the intersection of skincare. So guys that can want healthy skin, but then also the cosmetic side, which is to, you know, help enhance and, and make those things look better. Yeah. It's, I think it's brilliant. This is, was such, it got my attention when you reached out uh, or Amanda reached out because my daughter and I, my daughter is going into the fashion industry. And so we talk a lot and we had had this very conversation about a year ago about the need for a men's line of cosmetics, but how it had to be all about the marketing and the packaging. And that's exactly what you guys have begun to address, right? Because as a guy, I want this, I need this, but there's still right, right, wrong, or indifferent this. I don't want to go to the women's cosmetic counter and I, I want to have something that's masculine, you know, whether that's right or wrong doesn't matter. That's the barrier right now. And, but, but we need this as much as anybody else does, right? As, as much as women do. Yeah. And I, I think something we haven't really, you know, leaned into as much as that men, what makeup was for men. Originally men wore makeup and then women started to use it as well. And then it fell out of favor. And I'm, and I'm looking into now, uh, you know, the things that really sparked that to really happen back then. But yeah, I mean, we're finding out that, you know, through other, you know, market research and things about 50% of guys are admitting to having used some sort of cosmetic in the past. We're finding with our customers that a large percentage of them uh, have never used a cosmetic, but their partner or their spouse will have put something on for them if they right. had to. And so right. uh, it is a very interesting space that a, a large, you know, our biggest, it's not as much about competition with other companies for us. It's more that the, uh, the stigma is what we have to overcome. Okay. But let's talk about competition since you bring it up. Uh, what, how do you defend against, you know, one of the big manufacturers, one of the big brands launching a separate men's brand and some of them have already. What, how do you guys defend against that you think? Yeah, what's interesting there is, I mean, Clinique has had a men's line 15 years ago, uh, and they shuttered it. And then, you know, Tom Ford makes makeup for women, and there's a few of their products they repackage for men. And the way that we really see it is all about the the product use case and having a direct connection with our customers, because I think that is very important. And and a huge component of this is, I think we're going to be the first on-ramp for many guys to use this sort of product and having a lot of educational resources, which is where I'm really focused on to build out you know, YouTube videos and really build a community around these type of products is gonna be the way that we can differentiate. And then also just making sure the product feels really good to use. Uh, it is really easy to use and is really focused on that guy because you know, I had um, 
I've, I've had so many experiences with brands where the product was so good. I was like, all right, this is my brand. This is set. And so everything that we do, whether it's developing new products or, or making videos is all around that mindset to make sure that we're really creating a great experience for guys. So you're, you're going to develop that groundswell, that, that direct to consumer approach, but it, but are you looking at going into retail as well or what, what's the plan there or the thought? Yeah, I think the only way that these products can be destigmatized is if they are alongside other products that guys are already using, whether it's razors or mm -hmm. you know, soap and shampoo and that sort of thing. And so we are going to launch with a major retailer here in uh, the next few weeks, which we're really excited about. We can't okay. talk about it too much yet, but uh, you know, I think by the time this this site episode goes up, we're going to have a store locator on our site, and we're going to be the first you know uh, men's cosmetics brand to roll out nationally, which we're really excited about. Right now, if I want to buy it, I have to go to the Strix uh, website, correct? Yeah, and that'll always be the best experience too. We have a lot of guys that subscribe, so it gets delivered on a regular cadence, and you know that's where we can offer the best experience. But then, you know, we will be in retail stores very soon as well. Okay. This is Henry Lopez with a brief interruption to introduce you to our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. I suspect you're familiar with LinkedIn, but perhaps you've not used LinkedIn for hiring. Do you know that every eight seconds someone is hired with LinkedIn? Now more than ever, we need people with the right skills to support our communities, especially the frontline workers who provide resources and care for those most in need. To help, LinkedIn is offering free job posts for healthcare and essential service organizations that need to quickly fill critical roles with the people who help us all. If you're hiring for one of these organizations, job posts on LinkedIn can help you quickly find the right people for your frontline. LinkedIn can help you find frontline workers from its active community of over 675 million members. A couple of the features I find extremely useful are the job description templates and the skills keyword. It makes it easy and fast for me to post a job opening and start receiving qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates for the skills and experience you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified people who meet your requirements so you can find the right person to quickly fill critical roles. To post a healthcare or essential service job for free, or if you're in another industry and have hiring needs, visit linkedin.com forward slash how. Again, that's linkedin.com slash H-O-W. Or just text biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I will send you the link. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let me go back now to, to the whole startup and the funding. I, I didn't realize you weren't there initially, but do you... What can you tell me about how Devere funded it? Uh, have you had subsequent rounds of funding? You, I don't like that, but I'm assuming you put a, a cash investment into it. Tell me a little bit at a high level of what you can share there, how this got started from a capital perspective. Yeah, so when the idea really came to fruition, I mean, any product like this is going to take a lot of capital. I think this is one of the, the product categories you can't really go in unless you're unless you had some sort of uh, nest egg saved up here. But Devere went out to a couple of you know friends and people in his network and said, I have this idea, I'm going to build this company, and then raised a friends and family round uh, in order to really get things off the ground, go into some initial product development formulation. And uh, Devere actually got a, a several, you know, the, the XRC thing is really big, but even in the early stages, 
once he had this concept, he went to Prime Studio, which is, uh, you know, they've done design for product design for Harry's and for Gobi toothbrushes, like some really major brands. And uh, Devere convinced them to work with him. And they're the ones that really came up with this idea, you know, the packaging, the design, the product, the way the product looks and functions. And so that was really huge. And then he found a really strong manufacturing partner that actually manufactures for you know, Estee Lauder and some of the big makeup brands, but they had this initiative to work with, you know, smaller brands like us and really partner with them. And so uh, working with Prime Studio, he worked with the engineers of the manufacturer in order to get the product developed and, and manufactured and everything. And so, yeah, it was a friends and family round initially. And then XRC Labs, that uh, is their incubator. I think their standard investment is $130,000. And then you get you know, space in their offices and they helped to really incubate the brand. And so that was really the next stage. And then our plan coming out of XRC, we, we finished our, you know, our demo day was in January. Our plan was to come out and, you know, raise a seed round now to really expand the product line. And then, you know, we had a little bit of a hiccup in the economy right now, which has mm -hmm. made it a little bit challenging. Um, but that's really how we got to where we are today. Okay. Very interesting. So, um, were there, I don't know if you were involved back then, but were there challenges early on to, to get the attention of the product developers, the manufacturers, these companies that you're referring to, or, or were you able to find that there are these manufacturers out there that are looking to work with startups like you guys? Yeah, I think that's become more common in, in the time, even since Devere partnered with the manufacturer, I think you know, initially most companies, they want to see a certain minimum order quantity. They want right. to see a certain amount of traction. And so you do have to jump around and really talk to some others. But I think manufacturers now, and I've heard more and more stories of this, they're either willing to take a chance because if the company, you know, really grows and they can grow together or some manufacturers are taking, you know, like an equity stake in the company in order to offset some of the, the overhead initially. And so that is really reassuring to see is, you know, if, if I were to have another idea, there's enough manufacturers that are starting to understand that this could be you know, a really big thing for them. And as part of it, John, that, that now obviously the, the market has changed and changing so much with the direct to consumer model that the days of, you know, having to go only with presence at a thousand retail locations and the, the inventory levels that that requires, it's a very different model now. You can still be successful starting the way you guys have. Is that fair? Yeah, I think in the same at the same time you had this convergence of, you know, brands the way that they launched really didn't change for 25 plus years or more. Uh, but you also saw this rise in technology in the manufacturing process that reduced some of the overhead and, and prototyping became faster. Uh, and so at the same time as the D2C channel opened up, you also had manufacturers that were becoming more technologically advanced. And so I think that that combination of things made this very possible. Mm -hmm. You also, obviously, one of the reasons you got brought in is to play that influencer marketing role. Uh, do you guys partner with other social media influencers? Or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd say because I was in that space for so long, it's helped me to navigate it a little bit, but also made me kind of weary of it because there's definitely, there's people that are super effective. They really understand the message. They have a, a a very genuine relationship with our audience. And then there's just as many, or I'd say more of those that uh, have big numbers, uh, big sis, um, you know, potential reach on their platforms, but they're not really gonna you know, drive traffic and be very effective. And so you know, my, I think that's one of the challenges that we have as a, you know, essentially a men's makeup brand is there's not really a 
core demographic of influencers that really cover this sort of stuff. It's, we really, you know, it's, we're at the, the guy that cares about his appearance is going to use our type of product, but there's not that many guys that cover uh, mm-hmm. even skincare necessarily because even skincare is a very nascent category for men in general. And right. so that's definitely, it's been a little bit challenging, but the guys that get this definitely get it. I mean, we've worked with some, uh, some smaller influencers that I would say could speak to what we're trying to solve even better than, than I can. Uh, and that's really reassuring. And so they're, they're definitely out there, but it's, it's a lot of work to, to try and find the right ones. If, if I were trying to launch a product, a similar approach, a small scale, uh, would you advise that tapping into the influencers is a must? Yeah. And I think what, what brands are realizing now though, is that you don't go to the big ones. The big ones uh, can be very expensive to work with. They can be hard to get in touch with, but there's a lot of smaller creators that have, I would say as much influence as some of the big creators because they have this dedicated audience and community that they speak to on a regular basis. And that's what uh, we've really found to be effective is, you know, working with some of these smaller creators that are, that are, at the beginning of their stage, but they're, they're super passionate and they really want to find a brand that they love and they want to work with uh, is definitely the way to go. Interesting. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. All right. I want to go back to your partnership with it's Devere, right? Devere is yes. your partner. So, cause I'm always interested. That's a big topic on, on my show. I, I've worked mostly in partnerships. Uh, why does your partnership work or why has it been working? I would say that we have very complementary with the, the Venn diagram for our skills uh, is, is, is very strong. And so, you know, Devere is very detail oriented process uh, focused and he has, you know, everything, all of his expertise to this point has been getting products launched, developing them, working with manufacturers. He has all of this, you know, industry experience that he's really developed as he's grown the brand from the ground up. And what I lack is detail oriented uh, nature process. But what I can really think about is how to message something. Uh, I can get in front of a camera and just talk. You know, I spend most of my days talking to a camera most of the time. And so that's not his strength, but, but that is mine. And so where we end up coming together a lot is, okay, we have, you know, Devere has gotten this product with the manufacturer formulated and everything up to a certain point. And then I can say, okay, Let's work together on the messaging and how we want to talk about this. And then I can take it and, you know, we can get it on the site and we can get videos about it and I can work with influencers and retailers. I mean, a lot of my experience too is working with these huge retailers and so developing relationships with them and making sure we get it out in the stores and selling in relationships. And so it's like we have, I, I think it works well too because Devere had followed my channel for so long and I, I kind of peel back, you know, the layers of, of what I was working on too. And so I think he could see you know, our personalities were close enough and our, our expertise was very close. And so I remember a conversation right after I started, he said, you know, it's, it's really nice to have such a positive mindset. Cause I'm always, I'm like the eternal optimist and uh, you know, the sun's always shining where I'm at, but it was really early on. Like he can sometimes get in, get stuck in, in a thought and I can say, Hey, well, what about this perspective? And I think just having somebody else there to bounce ideas off of, I, I don't think I could ever go back to being solo. I think I always now have, I, I recognize my weaknesses. Devere helps me a ton with those. And so I think it's been really strong. Yeah. Very revealing. I think you've touched on, on the heart of it. That's, that's what I get out of it as well. Sometimes it's just, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is a lo- it can be a lonely pursuit. And so to have even sometimes that person to bounce off of, or like you articulated, there are days when you're, you're down and you need, at least he needs that person to, 
kind of give them a fresh perspective. So that's, that's what I like about partnerships, but it sounds like, uh, you know, to me, one of the keys of partnerships is trust. And you were able to develop some of that trust over that time while he was learning about you, even if it was through your videos. Yeah, absolutely. And even like right now, as we're going through uh, a lot of the stuff that's happening, whether it's, uh, you know, COVID and, and everything else, it's like, I've had a couple of weeks where I don't want to get in front of the camera and we talk about that. And so it's been, it's been really great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Okay. A couple more going back to the marketing. It's interesting to me because I, one of the thoughts I had is that the word cosmetics is something that I think will turn men off yet. You use it. And I suppose in, in part, because you got to communicate what it is and everybody understands what a cosmetic is. But have you guys played, I know you, you're using that word corrective purposefully. What else are some thoughts as to words and branding approach that you're using purposely to overcome that resistance that we have in our society to men using cosmetics? Yeah, we say corrective cosmetics. Sometimes that gets confused with like Botox. And mm, so interesting. We, are, we are kind of careful around that one. We also don't really shy away from the fact that it's a concealer. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we could call it something else and maybe hide what it is a little bit. But I think there's enough, we think there's enough guys that, you know, understand the concept of a concealer. But we also really focus on, uh, and, and this really comes back to the connection with our customers is like, what are guys using this for? Because women will use concealer for a number of things, but what are the primary things guys are using it for? And so we'll survey our audience a lot and we hear that it's a lot about dark under eye circles, uh, pimples and razor burn. And it's like, that's things that women don't always, you know, women don't really suffer from razor burn on their neck and their face. And so uh, really honing in on, you know, if, if a guy suffers from dark under eye circles, he wants something to fix that. And he might not think that it's concealer, but it definitely works. And so showing him, uh, you know, showing we have the benefit other than, you know, there's other companies out there that, that want to reduce hair loss or they want to, you know, help you get healthier skin just in general. But we have a very visceral way to show right. you put this on, it looks good instantly and it's quick and easy. Yeah. Immediate results. Yeah. Very interesting. Any thoughts about adding SPF to the moisturizer to the moisturizer? Absolutely. We actually, uh, we just did a video talking about the order of product for a guy like in a basic routine, we suggest putting SPF moisturizer on as a base under underneath a tinted moisturizer. Uh, that's just a, a limitation of capital really, because if you not all of our stuff is our own formulation. So we would have to formulate with SPF and then run it by the FDA and have that approval process. And so, you know, once we get to the point where we can engage with the FDA, we would absolutely love to have that in there because yeah, it is yeah. critical. Yeah. And that's fantastic. I, I use a moisturizer now that has the SPF built in and that, you know, that's great because again, what you guys touch on or solve with this product as well as you've articulated in some of the videos is there's it's not a multi-step process. I don't have to lay your stuff on like a lot of times is the case with women's cosmetics, right? The concealer is one product and that's all I need. I don't need any kind of foundation or base or anything else like that, that I'm not going to do. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Um, so you mentioned it obviously dealing with this downturn, how, how has it impacted and how are you guys adjusting and responding to it? Obviously uh, I think you touched, touched on it in one of the videos, People still, although we might have gone through a couple of weeks where we hunkered down and nobody saw us, we, we still want to look good, even if the economy might go into a downturn, right? Yeah, and we definitely saw, you know, a dip, as I think every every single company may have seen or as the lockdowns uh, came across the country in, in mid-March. Uh, but we, we pretty quickly started to focus on the fact that, you know, guys are going to get on Zoom calls and they're going to want to look their best anyway. And so... 
uh, that definitely, that message definitely resonated. And, and I did a couple of videos on how to work from home and how to look your best on Zoom, whether it's lighting or uh, even even just the mental mindset of working from home and things. And so those messages definitely resonated. And we're seeing guys now being more willing to experiment with a product like this because they're not leaving the house. And so mm. it's kind of like a, yeah. you know, they're comfortable in their own bathroom. And then right. we think because guys will see a difference in not using it, as they go back into life, they're going to continue to use this because, you know, if you get a single comment one day that you don't look as tired as yesterday, that's going to make it click forever. And so yeah. uh, a lot of that is education, making sure guys know how to put it on and, and they look really good doing it. And then I think it sticks from there. Yeah. And so part of the reason for that question is, is if somebody's listening, thinking about a product that they have in mind and, and the whole question now with launching anything is, how will it perform if, if it's in a down economy? So that's why I was asking that. But similar to that, if, if you were, at, if somebody asked you, you know, I've got an idea for a product, how should I get started? What, what do you typically tell people? I think you have to do your research, but also don't get into analysis paralysis. I definitely have gone through that myself as, uh, you know, I've actually, I've, I've talked to a ton of guys that'll reach out that want to even just launch a YouTube channel and then I'll check in with them in a few months and like, Oh yeah, still thinking about it, still researching, but like you have to, as, as much as you can move the ball forward to start executing on something, you have to, it's like tell people that you have this idea, find somebody that may be able to help you get you in the right direction. It's like you can, you got to do your research, but also you got to move the ball forward and start to get something out there at, at a minimum. Yeah, I agree. And, and now it used to be a lot harder to do that with a manufactured product, but now there is the ability. I mean, obviously this was a more complex product with the formulations and the packaging, but there is an ability now to get started with a fairly small run that doesn't require millions of dollars. Yeah, it's a small run, or you can run a few ads to a landing page just to test an idea. I think um, Pat Flynn does a book called Will It Fly? And that's really the concept he says is like, look, just get like a basic rendering, get something and then see if you can generate interest just to validate the idea before you even do a limited run. And then you can, you know, get some emails, get some interest and start to have that dialogue. I think even, even at that basic level, uh, you're, you're already executing. Yeah. Great idea. Great input there. All right. We talked about some of what's next for Strix, uh, obviously a potential here announcement of a retail deal, uh, expanding the product line or, or those kind of, that's what's on the horizon for what's next. Yeah, so we launched a Kickstarter for our third product in February. Uh, we closed that within the month, and that is going to be hitting uh, our site, I think, next week. We're looking, you know, second week of June, we're, we're wrapping up all those final details now. So that's our third product. And then right now, we're also, you know, as the, as the news of the retailer rolls out, we're going to be looking to raise enough money to get those products expanded because, you know, we're in a good spot now. We can ride out, uh, you know, the, the COVID and grow a little bit now. But in order to really grow, we had to expand our product line. And, and with our high standards, we're going to need some extra capital for that. And so we'll be looking to do that in the next uh, 60 days here. Okay. Exciting stuff. All right. I believe you've got a, a special offer for us. Yeah, I made the code HAL15 for anybody that wants to give our stuff a try. It doesn't work on subscriptions, so there's you can either subscribe to it or one time. And so I want to make sure I uh, clarify on that one. But you know, one of the things that we're finding out is there's so many guys are saying my, you know, my wife has been telling me to use this forever. Or my girlfriend has put this on me before, and so you know, you can try it out for the guy in your life. Okay, so what this HAL15 code will get me what? Fifteen percent off. Okay, fifteen percent off on on either of the two products. 
Yeah, and we also have a starter kit that is already discounted. It'll further ah, right. discount that. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Good stuff. I'm going to use that. Uh, all right. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. You you mentioned Pat Flynn's book, Will It Flies, or another book that comes to mind that you would recommend. Yes, I really like the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And then I also, right now I'm reading Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard, which is mm. uh, the Patagonia founder. And I really admire Patagonia. So oh. it's a great read. What do you admire about Patagonia? I admire the way that they have, they started with core principles and they've never deviated. And actually reading the book further enforces the fact that Yvonne Chouinard, like he pivoted early on because he was making uh, hardware for climbing that was damaging the, the rocks and was ruining the experience of climbing. So he cut that business, even though it was like 40% of their revenue because it was the right thing to do. And it was, you know, it was the right thing for the environment. And so uh, Patagonia, I, I've just admired for years and now I can see, you know, why they are the company that they are today. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for those recommendations. All right. We'll wrap it up here, John. What's, what's one thing you want to stick away from uh, what we've chatted around launching a business like Strix? What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation? I think reiterating that if you have an idea, start to execute it on it in some way. I mean, I've, I talked to so many people that are interested in starting something. And I think instead of starting with the idea that I want to own my own business or I want to be an entrepreneur, finding the thing you're passionate about and then building from there, I think is really powerful. And so, you know, I think you had mentioned there's a lot of people that are, you know, they are incubating an idea or they're, they're getting to that point. I think just really starting to execute is uh, important. And, you know, similarly, you had mentioned that it's a lot of small businesses, maybe one man shops. It's like find somebody that you could bring in. What, what was a huge change for me in the Cavalier side of things was I brought on a, a virtual assistant that uh, I was able to have him help me with just managing emails and day-to-day -day work. And like, that was a huge change for me that I resisted because I'm a control freak and I don't want, you know, I don't want to like give anything to anybody. Uh, but just having somebody else to bounce ideas off of, have help you with some of the tasks that you hate doing anyway, is like, that was really huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been, I've still challenged with that, but I'm getting better at it. I think that's a common challenge because most entrepreneurs are type A personalities and only we can do it perfectly. Right. Yes. I, it's been a humbling experience. But going back to this point of, of just getting started and not getting uh, paralyzed. I, I think what we're looking for John sometimes is we're looking for something to tell us that it's foolproof, that it's, that there is no, that is no chance of failure. Do you think that's sometimes why we get hung up on the analysis? Oh yeah. I think you have to fail though. I mean, I, I worked at a job, one of the like side jobs that I ended up doing was I was like selling credit card uh, processing systems for small businesses. And like, I totally, i totally blew that one. It was a bad company. Like the whole thing was really bad, but it, it has informed every decision now that I make around, you know, integrity and sales and everything else. And so it's like, I, if I wouldn't have fallen on my face in that one, I, I don't know where I'd be today. And so you definitely got to let it, let some things crash and burn. Agreed. All right, where does where do you want us to go online to find out more? Uh, you can, I mean, you can connect with me. I'll be I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I always like to share some interesting things over there. But then Strix.com is going to be a great place. And then uh, if you want to see more of my face, the Cavalier spelled with a K, uh, any three of those, my LinkedIn will take you to all of those, or um, you know, the Cavalier links out to everything as well. And Strix is S T R Y X dot com. Yes, it's a species of owl. I was going to ask you about where the name came from because I was pronouncing it strikes initially. It's a species of owl. And how did that influence? Why, why did he choose that name? 
Yeah, if you notice the uh, the logo mark that we use oh, is an owl, and um, there's a lot of like mystical properties around the Strix species of owl related to beauty and related to um, you know love and health, and so I think it all just really really ties the idea together. Love it, love it, John. Great conversation. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being transparent and answering all my questions. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Of course. Thank you, Henry. And I hope everybody uh, gets that ball rolling forward with whatever they're working on. Absolutely. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was John Shanahan. We release new episodes every Monday morning. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Or you can just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.